the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Is there something the church can learn from the Taylor Swift hysteria and then another Christian organization facing possible boycott? You're listening to The Common Good. Monday, friends. Welcome to the Common Good here on AM 1160. Hope for your life alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us on just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful yeah, June day. Yeah, the whole team was sitting outside before we came up to do the live show, and it's lovely You out would there. think it would have been scorching hot out there, but it wasn't today. Mm-hmm. Very pleasant. Mm-hmm. Been a pleasant weekend, Aubrey. There was some big stuff that happened in my family this weekend, but before we get to that... Yes. How was your weekend? Thank you for asking. Our weekend was very fun. It was very full. Lots of events happening, all good ones. We had our, you know, things are sort of ending for the summer, so our small group takes a break over the summer, and we had them all over yesterday, and it was so wonderful and fun. And anyway, great weekend. Wonderful. Great, beautiful beginning of summer weekend, even though my kids still have a week and a half of school. It does kind of feel like it's, like, summer's here. Yes, it it feels that way. My daughter, uh, I'm going to talk about this tomorrow, but she, uh, I'm using air quotes, graduates junior high tomorrow, middle school tomorrow. Congratulations to her, exciting. Uh, promotion, whatever you want to call it. Yep. But uh, So she's not out of school yet, but you know, want to know what her school day was today? <laughs> well, the well, eighth grade trip to Great America. So she's <gasps> up there as we speak. Oh, man, that would have been amazing. I want to do that. I hate Great America. Oh, really? Oh, I'm, I'm at the stage of, I was like this even when I was younger, but yeah. right now I'm at the stage of life. If I spin around one time, oh, it's I need City. to sit down. Yeah. So like, yeah. not just the, not just the roller coasters now, but I'm thinking like even slow moving stuff. I'm like, whoa, Ooh, whoa. This is throwing off my equilibrium. So even the last time we went, we either went to Great America or it was last time we were at Disney World or something. Like I really found myself being the one holding the bag so, while my wife was on stuff with my kids. You know what I've started to have to do? And I'm not even joking. Take a drink, I mean? Yeah, or or a prescription anti-nausea med because you love I, your rides. I love rides, but I'm the same way. There's something about adulthood that just changes where, like, everything makes you sick, and that's not fun. So I go to those theme parks and take, like, Zofran or Dramamine the whole time. So uh, I, I was always like this to begin with. Oh, okay. But now it's okay. like 10 times Extra. worse. Oh, yeah. gosh. Nobody told me when you hit your mid 40s, you can't spin around it's ever. Sad. You can't enjoy rides anymore. It's so depressing. Yep. So uh, glad that you are with us today. All right. I want to tell you about uh, something big from my family this weekend. Are you ready? Very ready. Uh, Saturday night. Uh oh. My wife and my youngest daughter, Emily fulfilled what I can only describe as her dream, and they attended the Taylor Swift they concert. They went to the big event. My whole, All my Instagram feed was just T-Swift, T-Swift, T-Swift. That's so fun. So my wow. daughter, like every other 14-year-old girl, my daughter loves Taylor Swift. Yes. And so we committed, like... Early on, we we're going to try to get the tickets when they came out on Ticketmaster, and we I re- weren't I able. I remember we were like in studio yeah, yeah. during a live show, and you're like on and it, you couldn't do it. Like the rest of the people, uh, we were not able to get them, and 
I was not as a as a pastor and a Christian radio show host. Mm-hmm. I was not in position to pay the exorbitant amount yeah. of money. Fair, fair. But then a friend of my sister-in-law's was like, "Hey, I have some extra tickets. I'll sell them." So we got them for face value. Awesome. Uh, and then just like two weeks ago, we were like, I don't know where the CD. We should check where your yeah. seats are. They were on the field. Unbelievable! So Unbelievable! You've seen my wife's post on yeah. Instagram. Like yeah. they, they were like not right, right up seats. Great. Not seats. right up against the stage, but yeah. right down the middle, right yeah. there. I did make the mistake of checking how much I could have resold said tickets for, <laughs> and uh, let's I, just say. Uh, I spent $250 on each ticket face value, and uh, I could have sold them on StubHub for 4500 You could have that used car you had to buy over the weekend. Ooh, you could have covered that, yes, right? Yes, Ooh, yeah. yes, Wow, wowza, wowza. But a, trading for a lifetime of memories. You know what? I'm going to sound like a sap here. Uh, you couldn't have paid me $4,500 a ticket for the joy my daughter had. She was I so mean, excited. The pictures on your wife's Insta, like the smiles are big. It's pretty yeah, impressive. Yeah, they had a yeah, blast. Yeah. Uh, Emily still told me she wants to go out and show me all the videos. <laughs> Karen said, I mean, Taylor Swift does 44 songs. I she thought does 33. Is it 44? I feel like the number three keeps hours. changing. Wow. I read 44, and wow. I said to Carrie, I was like, it's amazing. like, what was Emily like? And Carrie's like, literally, she was singing at the top of her lungs to every song. <laughs> I can't even imagine. So, wow, what a performer. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if anyone else was out there. We should, somebody call in if you were at the Taylor Swift concert. Yeah, 312 312-660-2594. 312-660-2594. So people were caught in traffic. It was nuts. People were tailgating. Here's what was amazing to me. People were sitting outside Soldier Field. Just to hear it. And if you watch, like, the videos of it, they're kind of muffled kind of from when you're outside. Yeah, but it yeah. kind of, like, had a Ravinia feel to it almost uh, where you can't actually see the performer. What an event. Is she the biggest pop star in the world right now? A hundred percent. Yeah. Somebody told me yesterday that she is on her way to becoming a billionaire. Be billionaire. Aubrey, this is going to be, now obviously she doesn't get all the money, but this is in, I believe I read, on track to be the first billion-dollar tour. Whoa, really? Her team makes $9 million per concert on this tour. Wow. And you know what? Wow. Everyone's having a blast, and the people downstream, they're also doing just fine. The ticket sales, the stadium venues, Nobody's hurting in this situation. Uh, All right, but you and I, we are on a Christian radio station. Yes, we are. Let me ask you this question. Is there something... The church can learn from the Taylor Swift hysteria. Oh. Because. Uh, okay, wow. Good question. So I, let me give you one. Let me okay. prime the pump right. a little bit. I think I came up with one. Okay. Because you and I, we bemoan, um, you know, Christian celebrities. So yes. the answer is not, we need bigger lights and right. stage shows right. and smoke and this. Right. But man, this girl, by the way, she's playing guitar, piano, changing, doing three days, a w- cannot, three nights. So it's unbelievable. You cannot say she's not talented. Like, she is unbelievable. so talented. Yeah, yeah. Uh, by the way, TMZ reported today that over the weekend, her and her boyfriend broke up. Good. That guy was shady. She There's just, a lot of shady business around him. That. I've been reading a lot of stuff about him, and I don't, the fans were not happy about this scenario. She, uh, she probably also just needed new material, and so she, <laughs> she broke up with him. Here is what has struck me about the Taylor Swift hysteria. Okay. And it is hysteria. Absolutely. She has, I think, better than any performer that I've seen, Uh created a 
a community of followers. Absolutely, she has. They're called Swifties. Yep. And, you know, Justin Bieber's got the believers, all those. BTS has ARMY. But I'm not very well versed in all of these people. But this was a thing. Yeah. To be at a Taylor Swift concert, not even because of the music, but because you were like there. Yeah. There was a sense of community. People were dressing up. There was things with the friendship, friendship bracelets. bracelets. Yep. This was much, much more uh-huh. than just going to a show. It was. It and was a, a performance. Yeah. And I think that's what the church can learn. Yeah. And we've gotten to the point in the church, haven't we? We bemoan this all the time of like, it's just come to this show, hear mm. this, and then go. There was almost better mm. community and camaraderie around the event, around people who were yeah. at a t- like it was a thing. Yeah, and you know that's why the merchandise sales were people mm-hmm. were waiting for hours because it was like I was here, I can do this. That's wow. why people waited outside. Why would you wait outside if you could just listen to the music right, in your car? Right, right, because you want to be near it. You want to say there's, you've experienced there's it. There's something there for me that the church could learn from. It wasn't even necessarily about the music mm-hmm. or the event as much as it was being part of this community mm-hmm. of, I'll use the phrase, Swifties. Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> uh, and it was like magnetic. And I think that's what the church is supposed to be yeah, on some level. There's some, there is something about that. I think the other piece that I, that I think we could tap into is like people are meant to worship. Like mm-hmm. there is something in the human soul that wants to like love, adore, fangirl yep. over something. And in this case, it happens to be Taylor Swift and she happens to be a mastermind at taking that and running with it. So I think it's twofold. I think it's exactly what you said, the community. Like, I had so many friends who made friendship bracelets, got to the concert, traded friendship bracelets with other Swifties. Like, that was a whole thing people were doing there. That's right. And um, the excitement around just, like, wanting to say you were at the Taylor Swift. You're, you got dressed up. People dressed up in the different eras of her career, that kind of thing. And then also I think it is taking that, thing that's in us, God-given, mm-hmm. that longs to worship and longs to bow down to something, for lack of a better phrase, and um, again, pointed toward Taylor Swift, how can the church use, use that tendency to point people towards Jesus? Yep. And I think part of it is creating that exciting, beloved community. And I right? know that, don't get me wrong, I know it's a, it's a lot of apples and oranges yeah, of course, here, of course. but at the same time, I've said this about sporting events, that the that the biggest church on some level on a Sunday afternoon yeah. in the fall is Soldier Field. Fair, is that, fair, yeah. Why do, here's, here's an amazing thing. Why do people go to sporting events when you could have a better experience for less money watching, watching it, it on your TV? Yeah. It's the community. It is. It's yep. the people you're yeah. doing the crowd, it with. The excitement, the enthusiasm. And I think that's what the church is supposed to be. Mm. It's supposed to be, why do, I, why do I go to worship on Sunday morning? Mm. It's to worship God with my community. With my other people that are as enthusiastic about worshiping God right? together. Yeah. Like it was no fun for my wife to to do traffic all the way down right, and to find parking right. and for us to drop that money on this. Yeah. It was an experience and a lot of that experience had to do doing it with other yeah, people. Yeah, no, that's good. That's I think that's, that's what the church is yep, supposed to be. Love it. 
hey, a day can't go by without us talking Christians wanting to boycott something. Uh-oh, here we go. What's next? Yep, and last time, someone might boycott us. Last time we did this, we got we got a Facebook got message about, uh, about boycotting. Yep. But uh, somebody, uh, a, a show on par with Chick-fil-A, I'll give you that. Oh, okay. Some people are calling for a boycott of it. We're going to do that next year on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Everybody, welcome back to the Common Good here on AM 1160. Hope for your life, alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you with us on June the 5th, a beautiful day here in the Chicagoland area. Hope that you're having a great Monday afternoon, Aubrey. Last week we talked about uh, some people on what I would term the far right uh, trying to score some points by saying it's time to boycott. Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. We I had started some, to see that in the news. We had some dialogue about it. I'd, I'd say we had more fun with we it. We were laughing quite like, a bit. He offended one of our you, you cannot. Yeah. You cannot call for a boycott of Jesus Chicken. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it had to do with their uh, Department of Equity and Inclusion. Diversity, Diversity. Equity, and Inclusion. Yep. Uh, the fact that they have are creating a vice president mm-hmm. of diversity, equity, inclusion, and a lot of people said, uh, I'm done with Chick-fil-A. And you and I said, I think our main point was, when you're boycotting Jesus Chicken, we've gone pretty far (laughs) in the boycott world. Well, I thought we might be done with this. (laughs) Until this week, I learned that there are, there have been calls, again, from the farther right than than most people. This this is is not not widespread. Yeah. But the next one that has been called to be boycotted is The Chosen. I just can't believe it. I so, just can't believe it. Uh, in in the last week, we've gotten uh, Chick-fil-A and yep. The Chosen. So yep. let me give you the background before we dive into this. There was kind of a behind-the-scenes YouTube clip shown of The Chosen in which a small rainbow flag was spotted on the set. Uh, and it says here in the article, it's triggered a dust-up among fans of the show. So it's not like a big flag that was waving. It's like yeah. a, a yeah. hand-sized flag appears in the corner of the screen for approximately four seconds during the almost seven-minute promotional video of The Chosen that was that producers released on Sunday. Uh, and so Dallas Jenkins, who has been on this show many times, mm-hmm. he's the creator and the director of The Chosen. He said, we've made no secret our cast and crew come from all different beliefs and backgrounds. I don't believe personal workspaces on set are relevant to the content of The Chosen. But if someone wants to stop watching a free show because of it, it's their right. So uh, a lot of places were kind of coming out and being like, hey, I didn't know you were for this. I yeah. didn't know you yeah. were this. Yeah. And it led some people to say, I'm done with the chosen. Right. Again, right. it feels like in, have we moved from cancel culture to boycott culture? I guess they're kind of one in the uh, same. I think they're the same. I think it's the same. If we as Christians are boycotting Chick-fil-A and the chosen, I feel like we've lost the forest from the tree, <laughs> right? Like I feel like we're getting a little too nitpicky, but people could, we've heard from them, they could think we're wrong. Listen, we're in some cult work, we're in a battle right now, and we need to know who's on which side. Could be the way this is being framed. Yeah, it's 
So, essentially, I did watch Dallas Jenkins respond to this on Instagram, and he said this: they had an independent contractor. They have over 100 people on the set. Independent contractor who they've worked with a lot came in. He had this uh, small pride flag on his equipment. So it wasn't like, like you said, the show was waving the flag. And um, he came on and said essentially what you just read to us was that, like, look, we don't, have a religious or political litmus test for who can work on our show. I love our cast and crew, especially because even though they all come from different backgrounds and beliefs, they work their butts off for the show and the viewer. The show's official stance on anything is to be found in the content of the show. So basically he's saying, like, I'm here to make a show. Look at the show. Um, I do think this this itch to boycott or yeah, this that's what itch I get at. to boycott especially very overtly Christian things like Chick-fil-A, like The Chosen. I mean, especially The Chosen. Like, they're literally bringing the Bible to life and showing the life of Jesus. I'm just not sure what this knee-jerk reaction is to be like, and it's canceled! Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, um, it's not in my personality to do that. That doesn't mean I'm right and other people are wrong. But I'm curious about the need to do it right. to do it publicly and to make a big stink about it. That's what I'm curious about. I, I, it is odd. It is odd. Um, do you? Let's see where to go here. Do you? Do you think it's wise of Dallas Jenkins to have people of many different faiths or non-faiths as workers? Should everybody doing the chosen be a Christian? Or should he be looking yeah. for the best right. cameraman, the best writer, yeah. the best I think whatever else it might be? Question. So I would say he should be looking for the best in the industry um, because though his material is biblical based and about Jesus and he is a Christian, mm. it's not a church. Dallas Jenkins is not a pastor. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this is what happens is we expect this. This is different and yet similar to the boycotts of Disney. I'm not sure when we started expecting non-ministries, non-churches to act like they are our churches. Mm -hmm. And this is still, I know I understand, the Chosen blurs some lines because they do put out devotionals, they yes. do put out studies, they, he speaks openly about his faith, it's obviously about Jesus. So I understand that this particular um, um, IP could be like a little bit confusing when mm -hmm. it comes to these categories. But, yes, I think he's not a church. He's not hiring pastors to make the show. He's hiring the best in the industry. And that's part of what makes The Chosen so, so powerful. And then let's also think from an evangelist point of view. Here are people of other faiths and beliefs, non-Christian people, getting mm -hmm. to witness the life and power of Jesus on screen. Don't you know God's going to use that in their yeah. lives? And just to be like, nope, unless you're Christian you're not on there, I think misses the point of what the powerful gospel of Jesus Christ is. I think we're so, trying so hard to protect against the slippery slope, which I totally understand. Yeah. That we think every little thing is going to hurl us down mm. towards progressivism mm. or towards whatever. Mm. Like we said with the Chick-fil-A thing. Like, Chick-fil-A literally has basically a statement of faith on their website. Right. The Chosen is... 
you know, you could quibble with some things, but it is presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ in prisons, around the world, all yes. these things. Yes. People are meeting Jesus through it. Like, I think we need to get to the point where we have conversations about the small things, but we go, but let's, let's step back here and be reminded of the big things that are going on. Mm. That Whether he, they should, this should have happened or not, the fact that people are like, that's it, that's it, or... You know, the, the, at some point, I feel this as a pastor sometimes. Well, and how ironic on a show where they're depicting Jesus hanging out with sinners. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. we're like, absolutely, Dallas Jenkins can't hang out with sinners. Do you know what I mean? It's just very hypocritical, let's be honest. And, I, I, yeah, I hear what you mean as a pastor. Like, the there is a call, of course, to, like, having beliefs and... Uh, points of view that mm -hmm. are biblical, but I think when we, I don't, there is something about when we forget Jesus' call to love and draw people to Him, we draw these boundary lines that don't let us do that. I do think, going back to what you said, we've lost the forest for the trees. Yep. And let's be honest, like a while ago, I feel like Veggie Tales got canceled. Oh, yeah. And yeah, now yeah. we're canceling we, Chick fil A. I, like and it, I don't have anything to watch anymore. I think we eat our own. I got own. nothing to eat. We eat, <laughs> we eat our own in evangelical Christianity way 100%. too often. Way too often. And I, I don't understand it. We've done it historically. We did it with Rob Bell. We did, we've done it with so many people. Sometimes I understand it, but other times I'm like, what yeah, is this Sometimes instinct? it's justified, yeah. but not nearly the number of times yeah. you've seen in the last yeah, week. Yeah, you can't watch anything so, now. You can't eat a, anywhere now. Hey, instead of eating our own, let's eat our own chicken sandwiches hey. from Chick-fil-A. How's that? Hey. Good. While watching The Chosen. All right, coming up next. There's another documentary out there making us Christians feel guilty, but it's right. called Shiny Happy People. But I... I haven't watched it, so I don't want to discuss that as much, Aubrey, as I want to talk about fundamentalism. Ooh. Is fundamentalism always bad, or have we gone too far with that that description? We're going to do that next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us today. If you've missed any of the show... Go get the podcast, wherever it is, get your podcast. If you go get the podcast, you're going to get to hear why we think the church has things to learn from Taylor Swift. I, I think that is a great little teaser there, Ryan. So you know Taylor Swift, her followers are called Swifties? Yes. Years ago, when Ian Simpkins was my co-host, I tried to get him to agree to the common good listener should be called Goody. Goodies, I love and it. he was vehemently against that. I think it is a brilliant idea, and you should not have listened to him. Goodies. I, he he tends to come and good or so. I like goodies. No, goodies. I like goodies. Okay, we, we might goodies. we might have to do something with this. Yes. Okay. Let's run right. with it. If All you're right. a goodie, let us know. <laughs> the on goodie are media, we'll send you we'll send you presents. We're not sending anything, but we want to know. <laughs> we want to know. All right, Aubrey. There's yet another documentary, documentary, documentary about something in the Christian world. Documentary. So there's there's the Hillsong one going yes. on. Uh, there was the Jerry Falwell Jerry one. Jerry Falwell one. You had the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast. podcast yep. So uh, Pete, there's a good debate to be had about whether these are helpful or right, not. Right, certainly. Because I did hear somebody, on the one hand, you want to say, okay, we need to learn from the stories mm -hmm. of Jerry Falwell Jr., of Hillsong, of Mark Driscoll. Other people have called it failure porn, that we like to watch other people fall because yeah. it makes us feel sure, good about sure, ourselves. Sure. There's so, something to that. Certainly. The newest documentary out 
uh, is called Shiny Happy People. Have you seen Shiny Happy People so or have you I, heard about it? I saw an ad go by. It's about the Duggars. The and Duggers. it's like the real truth behind the Duggars. But I have not watched it. I think it's on maybe Hulu or Amazon Prime. Amazon I'm not Prime. Sure. Okay, yeah. Four-part limited series oh, premiered okay. on Friday. Okay. Uh, I'm reading here from People Magazine. It said it explored the wholesome family's troubling ties to a radical religious organization. In doing so, it showed how the organization has shaped and negatively impacted the once-beloved TLC brood, which has since faced a bevy of scandals. You might remember Jim Bob Duggar and Michelle Duggar. Yeah. Uh, how many kids do they have? I mean, kids. A lot. Many. <laughs> many children. 19? I Is think I'm right? counting 19 there. Is that right? Who's that? But yeah, Josh Duggar, there was some controversy with him. Uh, he's in prison. using children, right? Yes. Oh, he's in prison. He's in prison. Oh, so oh, a little more than controversy. controversy. It's, uh, it's conviction. Yeah, yeah. And some other things came out, right? So not just about the Duggars. A lot of it's about the Duggars. And I will tell you, from the reviews that I've heard, Jim Bob Duggar is not coming off well Ooh. in this. Okay. Uh, but also at play in this in this documentary is the IBLP. I don't know if you ever heard of that. It's the Institute in Basic Life Principles, which was a non-denominational Christian organization that served as an umbrella organization. Uh, here's the name that will probably you'll probably remember Bill Gothard. <gasps> yes, Bill Gothard. So underneath the umbrella of the IBLP was a lot of the early homeschooling yeah, stuff. Homeschooling Bill has grown a lot since then. So I'm yeah. not going to cast this person to sure. homeschooling. Yep. But back then, it had a um, a reputation that was probably well-deserved. Yeah. Bill Gothard used to teach a lot about punishment, and he ended up having law problems later on. Yes. So yes. that's kind of uh, where the IBLP, how it influenced the Duggar family, is okay. a lot of what this documentary okay. is gotcha. about. Gotcha. So, neither of us have seen the documentary, so yeah. we can watch I'll add it to my list of, of bad Christian documentaries I need to watch. Yep. But, uh, so I want to talk less about the actual documentary, okay. but here's what I want to ask you, and this you might not see this coming. This might not be where you thought I was going to go. Fundamentalism. Mm -hmm. When you think of the Duggars, when you think of the IBLP, when you think of the early homeschool movement, when you think of debates about spanking, which yeah. Bill Gothard felt very strongly about, yeah. or all of this stuff... It tends to then go more broadly to this idea of fundamentalism. Certainly. Fundamentalism. And is it fair to say right now that fundamentalism in the evangelical world probably has a negative connotation? I, I would think so. Yeah, I, I would absolutely say so. Feels like it, mm -hmm. right? Like, oh, you're a fundamental. Like, if I said you're, to you, you're, you're a fundamentalist, I'm not sure. That's not a compliment. That that would be a compliment. Yeah, it's sort of like. I think another way of saying like a um, uh, a fanatic, but yep. it's more like that strictness, I think, is what we think about when we think about fundamental yep. Christians, like yep. a very, very strict adherence to if, certain rules and ways of practicing scripture and faith and that kind of thing. If I were in a fundamentalist church, there's no doubt that our tagline would be, we put the fun in fundamentalist. <laughs> there's no doubt. But let me take you to a surprising spot. Are you ready? Yes. I think the word fundamentalist and the idea of fundamentalism uh, has been co-opted, but at its core, it's getting a bad rap right now. Like, don't you think that we all, as evangelicals, should want to be fundamentalists without being what that normally means? So let me... Yeah, let me, unpack it. 
I think we're getting ourselves into a lot of problems by losing the fundamentals. Okay, fair. By not holding fair. to the fundamental, by everything being changed, everything could change. Okay. Again, I'm not saying I think we should all be like the yeah. Duggars right. or be right. like right. Uh, certain Christian colleges that we know that are very fundamentalist yeah. or uh, that we all need to be in King James only churches yeah. or whatever else I hear it might what you're be. Saying. But I do think that, that the danger in always casting fundamentalism as like this heavy handed, uh, you know, rules, all this stuff. What's the, what, where do we go to, where do we swing that pendulum too far? I think it becomes kind of mainline. Does it matter? But I wonder do if that? there's a different even, because I, I do think the problem with fundamentalism is it focuses so much on Agreed. outside and external and not the heart. So I wonder if what you're actually calling people towards is like faithful. Like you're just Unpack saying, that. let's be faithful. Well, Again, I, I guess I'm taking fundamentalism at its, like, the way we use it now, mm -hmm. when, which, again, is more legalistic, more, like, very strict adherence to certain ways of doing things. And I think what you're saying is, okay, if the, if the pendulum swings in the opposite direction, that's, like, super progressive, going to do whatever I want, God's word doesn't have authority, I... I make my own yep. truth, yep. you do you, yep. that yep. whole individual expression idol. But And I don't think it's middle. I don't think, like, here's the middle ground. I think the call is, like, the faithfulness. So we want to be faithful to the Word of God. We want to live in submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and the Word of God. Mm. And we don't want to sway back and forth on that. But at the end of the day, like, when we continue to look at what Jesus calls people to, I mean, he's continually... The fundamentals, the fundamentalists of the Bible are the Pharisees, mm. right? And Jesus is continually calling them out. And I mean, I think we can't ever paint with a broad brush. Like Pharisees, though, often portrayed as villains in Scripture, were still people trying to honor God right. as they understood how to honor God. But then Jesus came along and like, look, all you care about is the outside. It's the inside transformation that I'm here to do. Yep, yep. And so I think that's what I mean when I talk about a call to faithfulness is like lose that shed, that skin of legalism and oppression. And remember, like you are accepted by God. His Holy Spirit transforms us from the inside out. So it's no longer about having to get ourselves clean on the outside because mm. the spirit of God is doing it. So I, I hear what you're saying. You're saying Stay faithful Correct. to the things that matter. Let's not lose the fundamentals. Yes. I, I want to land right there in the middle, right? Like, mm. obviously, I'm not a fundamentalist yeah, in the way right. it is because right. I planted a non-denominational church in a warehouse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, I do worry that, like, things, I don't, let's get not, let's lose the word fundamentalist okay. or fundamentals okay. and go with, I, I, I worry mm. that sometimes we're not willing to call people to obedience. And Fair. To, Fair. Uh, Fair. to certain things because, oh, you can't say, you don't tell me what. Yeah. The fundamentalists have gone way too right. sinfully far right. often as we right. see in these documentaries. But we're using words like you said, faithfulness, mm -hmm. obedience, mm -hmm. these types of things. I don't think we can lose those things. And I worry the more that we see these types of stories, like, see, this is what happens when you tell us what to do. Then we're going to kind of choose just a total opposite. Let's point yeah. each other to grace and love and obedience. Mm -hmm. And then I think we're starting to get it. So, Good. 
Should I, I feel like I should watch the Hillsong one first. Okay, first watch Hillsong. I'll start Shiny Happy People. I don't think I want to watch we'll Shiny Happy People. We'll compare notes. Well, if, it's only, if it's only four, I feel like I can get through it. Okay. But Hillsong was pretty hard to watch. I, t- I think I told you I quit watching it after three because I'm like, okay, I get it. Yeah. Uh, it gets you. hard to consume that stuff after a while. It really does. I hear you. And you're like, let me just like worship Jesus <laughs> in my community with faithful people. Yes. <laughs> Coming up next. Uh, Pastor Greg Laurie uh, tweeted something really interesting about how presenting the gospel today has changed. Hmm. I want to read that and talk about it next year on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. All right, before we dive into what Greg Laurie had to say about evangelism, Aubrey, yes? I have a quiz for you. <gasps> okay, I'm ready for it. Uh, a study came out that is surprising some people. They called this a shocking study at the New York Post. Uh, there's a specific type of heart attack. So this is going to be kind of dark, but it's called... Uh, a STEMI, a STEMI, STEMI. Okay. okay. Uh, this organization out of uh, Brit- Great Britain, the British Heart Foundation, did a study, and they came to find out that there is one day of the week where the where not the majority, but that has more of these types of deadly heart attacks than the other days. What is the one day in which these are most likely to occur? I mean, part of me feels like you're going to say Sunday for pastors or something like that, <laughs> like post. Post-Sunday, so re- like Sunday afternoon. Researchers were surprised to discover an unusual uptick of heart attacks on Sundays as well, but that <gasps> is not number one. Oh, what, okay, what is it? Monday. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Breathe deeply, make sure you're okay. And do they say why? Well, that is the intro. They're trying to figure that out. But here's the guess. So when, if you listen to their guess, it actually makes sense. Okay, let's hear it. There's some evidence that the increase in STEMI heart attacks is related to stress hormones, according to experts. It is likely due. That, uh, it is it is likely to be due to the stress of returning to work. Increased okay, stress yeah. leads to rising levels sure. of the stress hormone cortisol, which is linked to a higher risk of heart attacks. Here's what it is: You had a nice weekend. Monday comes. I got to go back to work. No way. Stress level goes back because now you've been off of work for a few days. With the stress level comes increased heart attacks. Wow. Did I mention that today it is Monday? You did mention it's Monday. So that's interesting. So people wake up with the stress of the weekend. Be careful, everybody. Make sure you're in a job that's not too stressful and you're taking care of yourself. That's terrifying. Mondays. Mondays. Wow. All All right. Greg Laurie, who is on this station, he is a, we like to call you the master of evangelism, but <laughs> you are a child of evangelism compared, compared to, to Greg, Greg Laurie. Laurie. That is the truth right there. He, that is the he truth holds right there. major, like, uh, you know, crusades, but he also is just an evangelist at heart. Mm-hmm. The guy, you think about the Jesus Revolution movie, all of this stuff. Yeah, but, they showed his kind of his story a little bit yeah. in Jesus Revolution yep. movie. Yep. That was fun. Yeah. So let me, I think when somebody like him speaks about presenting the gospel, it's really worth listening to. Yeah. He's an evangelist at art. So let me yeah. read to you what he said. Okay. It's a little long. It's on a tweet. And I want you, our master of evangelism. Our resident master of evangelism. Uh, to, uh, to respond. Greg Laurie, when I present the gospel today, especially to young people, I can no longer assume that they understand what I mean when I say something along the lines of, you need to repent of your sin and put your faith in Jesus and become his disciple. They might wonder what it means to repent or what sin even is. So our challenge as believers in reaching this generation is to make sense 
without compromising our message. Yep. No matter which generation we're sharing the gospel with, the message does not change. The gospel that the apostles delivered in the first century is still the one being shared today. We just need to define and explain it. Yep. So much there. Unpack what Greg Laurie had to say. Yeah, I, I, and I'm going to actually take this to Tim Keller, because one of the things that Keller talked often about to young pastors, especially from his experience in New York City, is you cannot just say repent from your sin. You mm. need to understand the actual issues of sin that are plaguing the people that you minister to. Mm. And so for him, in New York City, he would talk very specifically about addiction, the mm. rat race, like uh, elitism, like things that were specific to New York City, and talk about how they became idols for people. And because the word sin has lost its power, it's lost its impact, and it's lost its, like, um, its thickness and its, like, strength. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? The watered-down word. Nobody really cares anymore, and nobody totally understands what that means anymore. It was a helpful term in the modern culture. It was really helpful when guys were coming back from the war and they had, like, murdered people or killed people in the defense of the country to talk about sin that they were carrying and that Jesus would forgive you. Like, that was such a healing message. Billy Graham was so good at that. But I do think as culture has shifted, it's not that the gospel message shifts, but the way we contextualize the gospel to reach a generation has to change. Mm. Jesus did that with Old Testament passages. Paul did that. Like, this is not anti-biblical. And I'm saying that kind of emphatically because there are people who are like, no, we use the same sort of Turner Benner message we've always used. That's the gospel. No, no, no. That's the way you're contextualizing the gospel. Yeah, yeah. You have to have your audience in mind. And I think this is ultimately what he's talking about. Like, we need to talk about the pressure of influencing. Yep. We need to talk about other things that this generation is dealing with when we're calling them to repent. Keep unpacking contextualization there because people might, I think what we do is we confuse contextualization with the other thing he said, the message is the same. So a lot of people hear contextualization and they just think to themselves, oh, what are we, are we watering down the right, gospel? Right. Are we changing the gospel? Are we doing this? When in reality, what we're saying is, no, I think we agree with Greg Laurie. Message, same, context, different. Help people understand contextualization. Here's an example. I'm sitting across coffee uh, with a friend of mine, and my friend tells me that they have a deep, deep father wound. Dad Mm. abandoned her when she was young. I'm using this as an example, okay? Uh, And she never has felt approval, and she's gone after men in her life, men after men after men, because she's longing to fulfill that male hole in her life. Interesting. Okay? It's one example. I am going to listen to her deeply, show her a lot of empathy and compassion. The gospel I'm going to share with her is one of her heavenly father who loves and accepts her unconditionally, and she no longer has to run to earthly men for affection and attention. Hmm. That's still the gospel. Yeah. That's still a gospel message. And yet I'm doing, I'm, I'm ministering specifically to her wound. You have a conversation with somebody else, a young mom who's so stressed out about the burdens of motherhood and she can no longer like be who she thought she was supposed to be and she's angry all the time and she's not pleasing mm. her husband and she's going, I'm going to share with her a gospel of Jesus' peace and mm. his shalom that's offered because of his work on the cross. That's still a gospel message, but I'm contextualizing it to her longing. That's, I think, what Greg Laurie is saying. 
what are the longings? What are the idols? Let's name them specifically for the people we're ministering to and contextualize the gospel in that way. The gospel is so big and yes. beautiful that we can, there are so many metaphors we can use when we share the gospel with somebody. I, I think this is why Tim Keller's work on idols mm. has been so helpful yeah, over totally. the years. It's totally. just been uh, so helpful because you, you're, you're taking aim at the idols and speaking how does the good news of Jesus Christ, how is it better than those idols? Yes. How does it yes. destroy those idols? How does yes. it actually give you what you think yes. that you need? So really good words from the master evangelist, Greg Fred Laurie. Laurie. Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.